Well, hello everyone. So good to have all of you today. Thank you for joining us. And if it's the first time that you're joining us, we are so glad to have you because we've been talking for the past two weeks about what to do when you find yourself in a waiting season of life. And we all know exactly what that feels like, don't we? In fact, all of us, we are in the middle of that with this whole COVID virus. And, and as much as we don't like seasons of waiting, unfortunately, what happens is we all personally experience them throughout our life. And, and the reality is when you're in a waiting season of life, there is so much emotion and there's so much frustration and there can be even anger when you're waiting because it seems like there's no hope on the horizon for the future that you're looking forward to or that you prefer. But what we've learned over the last two weeks is this, is God uses trouble and God uses trials and God uses problems to develop perseverance and character in us that we can't get in any other way in our life. So whenever you find yourself in a waiting season, what we've learned is instead of being impatient, the best thing to do is to cooperate with what God is trying to teach you and to understand that you need wisdom and faith and humility. In other words, you need wisdom to see life from God's point of view. And you need the faith to keep believing even when there's no evidence of God's present activity. And you need the humility to live content in your current circumstances. But here's the thing. When we're in a waiting season, the tendency for all of us is not to focus on those three things. No, it's to focus on our when and what kind of questions. And you say, what do you mean by our when and what kind of questions? It's like, when will I get what I'm waiting for? Or what can I do to speed it up? Those are the questions that we care about, aren't they, when we're in a waiting season? It's like, when is this going to end? Or what can I do to speed it up so it'll get over quicker? Or when can I get that job I want? And what can I do to make that happen this year? Or when do I get to move to a better place? And what can I do to make that happen sooner? When will I see my family change? Or when will I see my marriage improve? And what can I do to speed that up? See, those are the questions we all tend to gravitate toward when we wait. And here's the thing about this. We will try anything and everything to get an answer quickly. In fact, if you're a Christian, you may even get really serious about obeying and following God because you think maybe that'll get God to act. So what you tend to do maybe sometimes is you'll read your Bible more and you'll pray more and you'll get more involved and you'll try to help more people. Because while you don't really think about it this way, you're convinced there might be a chance that you can kind of back God into a corner with your good behavior and you can kind of manipulate him to having to do what you're asking him to do. Now, let me just tell you something. That is a very dangerous approach to take. And here's why. It's dangerous when what you're waiting for becomes what you're hoping in other words, when you start thinking 
when that happens, then I'll be happy. Once we have kids, then life's going to be amazing. Or once my health improves, then I'll be content and happy. Or once I get married or unmarried or remarried, then life is going to be good. Or once this COVID virus is over, then life can get back to normal. See, whenever you find yourself thinking that way, you've bought into the idea that the thing, the person, the change in circumstance is going to give you the life and the fulfillment that you're looking for, and that's just dangerous. Now, there are two reasons this is dangerous. One, you might not get what you're looking for. You might not get what you're waiting for. All those dreams might not come true. You, you may never get that scholarship or the invitation or the house or the spouse or the all-American family. What if COVID never goes away? Then what? See, if you put your hope in some circumstance happening, you're setting yourself up for some kind of major disappointment. See, if you've built your entire life around this whole idea, I have to have that, what do you do when you can't have it? But the other reason, this is the second reason it's dangerous, is because you might get exactly what you're waiting for. You, you might get married and discover marriage isn't what you expected to be. It doesn't meet all your needs as you thought it would meet your needs. Or, or you might even get that job or have the baby or make the move to the new town and, and discover that it's not nearly as fulfilling as you thought it would be. In fact, COVID might go away and find you'll find yourself still unhappy with your life. See, that kind of disappointment, it happens all the time because the problem is never what you lack externally, it's what you were missing inside yourself. So in most cases, even if you get what you want, you still feel empty. And you know that for a fact because there are things that you wanted in your life and you got them and you still feel empty. So if what you're waiting for becomes what you're hoping in, then guess what? You're building your life on a very shaky foundation. But you gotta understand, in our culture, this is an easy trap to fall into when you really want something. This is one of the reasons why I believe that God allows us to go through these waiting seasons, to come face to face with our emptiness and with what we lack with what we're hoping in and to find a greater hope in our God. So today what we're gonna do is we wanna look at a passage that I think is gonna help us redirect where we put our hope and it's found in Psalms 42, if you wanna follow along. And the beauty of this is we get to peek in on the diary of a man who was in the lowest moment of his waiting season. Now, we have no idea what he was waiting for, but it's obvious that it's been a long time. And fortunately for us, he records his inner struggles and his inner doubts. And as we read them, I think you're gonna be able to relate to these verses because we, we've all been there and we've all put our hope in what we were waiting for at some point in our lives. So if you've been in a waiting season for a long time or if you find yourself cycling back through them from time to time, I think it's really important for us to pay attention to what this writer of this Psalm has to say to us because the lessons that he learned, it is just so core 
to your struggle and to my struggle. In fact, here's how he starts his reflection in Psalms 42, verse 1. He says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Now, this may not be the exact metaphor that we would use in our culture today, but I think we all get the picture of what the psalmist is saying, because just like the writer, you and I, we both had moments when we were so desperate to hear God speak and, and to see God do something that, that we could relate and say, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God to show up and do something, to know that God cares. And, and I think the psalmist here, he says, so my soul pants for you. He's saying, my soul is desperate to know, God, that you're there and that you care. See, that's one of the things about waiting seasons. They really can cause us to seek God in ways that we wouldn't otherwise. Because here's what can happen. When life is over here going well, most of us tend to be far less focused on God than when things seem to stand still for a long period of time. But see, in a season of waiting, what can happen is just like the psalmist, we can lock in and say, my soul, it thirsts for God, for the living God. I can lock into saying, God, I've got to hear from you. Let me ask you a question when you lock into that. The question is, why are you seeking to hear from him? Is it because you want to know him more personally in a personal relationship? Or do you just want what you think he can do for you? See, is it just so that you can get your way or you believe that God is worth pursuing, pursuing even if you never get your way? See, the truth is, and I have to admit this even for my own life, the truth is most of the time when we find ourselves in a situation like this psalmist where we're waiting season, it's more about oftentimes what we can get from God than with who he is. We think if I just follow God a little bit better and I love him a little bit more, maybe he'll give me everything I want and this waiting season will end. But let me just tell you something. If you only see God as your dream giver, as the genie of your life, and you rub the lamp and you get your three wishes, then you are missing the whole point of why you're waiting, and you're missing the essence of who God is. In fact, the psalmist, he continues, he says, when can I go and meet with God? In other words, when are you going to show up, God? Well, where can I find you, God, working in my world and in my life? When am I going to hear your voice and see you do something? I, I've got some questions, God, and I really want some answers. In fact, he continues in verse 3. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. And some of you, you know exactly what that feels like, don't you? Like, you know the kind of pain that's so deep that you're in constant tears because waiting, it hurts so deeply that you find yourself just, God, is it ever going to be over? Like when you're waiting for a son to break free from addiction or you're waiting for a daughter to overcome alcoholism or you're waiting for your husband or your wife to care again or you're, you're waiting for dad to leave his lover and come back to his senses and come home. 
In fact, the psalmist continues. He says, my tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? It's like he's saying, I keep waiting and, and I keep waiting for God to show up. And I've been waiting so long that people are even saying to me, where's your God at? Why, why doesn't he answer your prayers? And he's going, I don't know what to tell them. In fact, the truth is when we find ourselves in this kind of situation where we're waiting so long and waiting hurts and people around us are going, okay, where's God? The truth is we always like to have some kind of logical explanation for things, don't we? But sometimes we don't have that. So what do you do then? Well, this is what I think makes this passage so incredible for us. Instead of doing what we tend to do, Instead of taking things into our own hands and trying to make things happen, instead of walking away from God entirely, the psalmist, he chooses an entirely different kind of response. Notice what he says in verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. What are the things that he remembers as he pours out his soul? Here's what he remembers. How I used to go to the house of God. And some of us can kind of relate to that. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. This is so powerful when you really look at it because he's saying, before I put my hope in what and when, I'm going to pause and I'm going to remember how. I'm going to remember how God used to show up in my life. I'm going to remember how God's been faithful to me in the past and all that he has done for me. In fact, we talked about last week how this is like one of the most valuable things you can do in a waiting season. You, you pause and you remember how God was faithful to you in the past. In fact, in the Old Testament, as you're following the stories of the Old Testament, you see people do this time after time. And I imagine Abraham, he would look up at the stars at night and he would remember God's promise to make him a great nation, so great that his descendants would be as the stars of the heaven. And Jacob, he built an altar at Bethel to remember what God did for him and how God showed up in his life. Or when the nation of Israel, they crossed the Jordan River and they entered the promised land, jo Joshua, he told him, he said, I want you to pile up 12 stones as a memorial because he knew it would take no time before they forgot what God had done in their past. And the good news is this, God knows in our darkest moments, we need reminding that he didn't abandon us in the past. And he will not abandon us in the present. And the psalmist, in his darkest moment, he chose to pause and remember how God showed up in the past. And while it didn't change his circumstances, it definitely changed his perspective. In fact, look at this next verse, verse 5. It changed his perspective so much, and it's almost like he starts correcting himself in the way he's thinking. He says, why my soul? Thinking about what God has done for me in the past. Why my soul are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for yet, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. 
In other words, things may still look really bad now, but that's okay. I am not going to let my circumstances weigh me down. God has been faithful in the past, and God is going to be faithful in the future. So he says, I will put my hope in him, and I will praise him. In other words, my circumstances haven't changed at all, but I am going to praise God for who he is because he is my savior and he is my God. He has been that in my past. He will be that in my present. He will be that in my future. And that's enough for me. So I will not just keep hoping in what I'm waiting for. I will not keep hoping in something that's not capable of giving me the strength I need anyway. I'm going to put my hope in God because he's the only one that can sustain me and give me the strength through the storms and the struggles of life. See, we have to remember one day the thing that you want so badly in your season of waiting, it's going to be gone anyway. And, and if you put your hope in it, then what? See, it's great to have a baby, but you better not put your hope in it. It's great to be married, but you better not count on it to complete you. It is great to get the job or make the money or have things go your way, but all of that will eventually end. Think about it. One day, your kids are gonna move out and move on. One day, your spouse will die. One day, the job will end and your circumstances will change and... If your hope is in all those things or in that person, then here's what happens. You're left with absolutely nothing. And what the psalmist is reminding us is you weren't made to hope in anything this world has to offer, no matter how good it is. You were made to hope in the God who gave you all these things in the first place. So here's the simplest yet, I think the most powerful question that you really could be asking yourself in this waiting season, and that is this, where's your hope? Is your hope in what and when? Or is your hope in the one who is your savior and your God? Now, before you think to yourself or say to yourself, well, I trust in God or I'm going to trust in God, let me explain what it means to trust in God. It really means about three things. One, it means that you make the decision to go with God even if you don't get what you want. And two, it means that you're going to love him for who he is because who he is is better than anything else that you could want. And thirdly, it means that you're willing to reach the point where you say, I want this really badly. I really want to have this. I, I, I want to work in that career or I still want a child, or I still want to be married, or I, I still want my marriage to improve, or my health to improve, or my family to change. I still want all of that. But if it never, ever happens for me, that's okay, because I am satisfied with God and what he wants for me. In other words, when I don't know what to do, because I'm in a waiting season of life, it's okay because my trust God is completely in you. See, when you're willing to get to that point, then you know that your hope is in your Savior and your God. When I don't know what to do, it's okay, because my trust is in you. 
See, that's what you need to learn in this waiting season of life. And the irony is, is that when you value God, or if you don't value God over all the things that you want, you'll never be satisfied or you'll never be content anyway. It's so important to get to this place of saying, God, when I don't know what to do, it's okay because my trust, it's in you. Now, each week of this series, we've given you a prayer to pray during this waiting season. And, and today, we're going to give you one more part to make it the full prayer. So the last two weeks, we gave you this part of the prayer. Heavenly Father, I know you haven't forgotten me, but I need you to encourage me. Give me the wisdom to understand and the faith to believe. And many of you, you've been praying that and you said it's been so helpful to remind you that God hasn't forgotten you and, and you've seen God come through and encourage you. And even some of you have said God has given you some wisdom and, and you feel stronger in your faith. But now we want you to add one more part to it. Maybe, I, I think sometimes for me, maybe the toughest part of all, and that is this, and God help me to hope in you alone. God, I know you haven't forgotten me, but I need you to encourage me. Give me the wisdom to understand and the faith to believe. Help me to hope in you alone. God, help me to keep my hope in you and not what I hope you're going to give me because your redeeming grace is more than enough to deserve my devotion to you no matter what. So just help me hope in you alone. And I'm telling you something, folks. When you get to this place that you can hope in God alone, this is how you weather the storms without walking away from God. This is how you come out of waiting seasons with way more faith than doubts. So you get to the point where you can honestly say that when you don't know what to do, it's okay because your hope is in God. So as we close, we want to give two groups of you an opportunity to make a very important choice. First of all, there are some of you who've never chosen to put your hope in God to be your savior. In fact, you may not have grown up in church or you may have grown up very religious. But what God wants more is he, he wants a relationship. He, he, he wants to forgive our sin and, and make you a part of his family. He, he wants you to know and to trust him as your personal heavenly father. In fact, that's why Jesus gave his life on the cross. That's why he rose again to make that relationship possible. So today, we want to give you an opportunity at the end of this talk to declare that you, your desire is to put your hope in Jesus Christ and trust him for your forgiveness and even with your future. That, that's the first step to putting all of your hope in him. But then for those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, what has happened in this season of uncertainty and waiting is a lot of us have kind of shifted our hope from Jesus to some different things, especially during these past few months. And our hope is in the struggle going away or achieving a certain goal or having a certain level of safety or in something that we think will make us feel secure. And here's the thing. Eventually, we're going to discover the hard way that if we put our hope in something other than God, that's a very shaky foundation. So, will you make the choice to put your hope not in what or when, but in who? And will you trust God 
no matter what happens in your life, no, no matter how hard the waiting season is. See, God loves you and he is with you and he has not forgotten you and he's preparing you to have a better life that comes with a deeper faith in the one who is our great hope. Will you do that? So today, uh, the band is going to close out with one of my favorite songs. It's the song Cornerstone. And the course is a great reminder that when I don't know what to do, it's okay because my trust is in you. So will you reflect on this and say, God, I want to hope in you. Help me to make you my cornerstone in my life. But first of all, let, let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who is listening today and is engaging in what you're up to in their life. God, I just ask that you'll help each group of people who are listening to take that next step. For those who have never said, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and my God, pray that this will be the moment when they say, and would you say this in your home right where you sit or wherever you're listening? Jesus, today I ask you to come and be my Savior and my God, my sin forgiver. I ask you to forgive me my sin and come into my heart and help me to follow you with a full faith and give me the wisdom to understand and the confidence to believe that you're up to something in my life. And I'm choosing today to begin to focus on you and find my hope in you. And if you just prayed that, would you just let us know that? You can either email us or just go to the RCC app and on that connect card, let us know that you made that decision. But if you're a Christ follower, maybe this needs to be your prayer. Just say, Heavenly Father, in this season of waiting, I, I've let my hope drift into what and to when. And today, I want to refocus my eyes on you. So today, Jesus, I, I'm asking you to help me put my hope completely in you, not in what or when, but you. Because your redeeming grace, it is so deserving of my full devotion to you. That in itself is more than I ever deserve. So thank you, God, that you're with us. Thank you, God, that you've been with us in the past. You're with us right here in the present. And you're going to be with us in the future. Thank you for your incredible love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, reflect on what we've talked about today.